Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi. Hey. Welcome back to Old Millennials Podcast, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Margot Poupard. And I'm Emily Beijing, your other host. And we just want to know this week, do you want a hot body? Do you want a Maserati? Well, you better work, bitch, because this is the Britney bitch episode. Yay! Woo! I'm so um, I think it was. I, I think we initially came across this idea because Hit Me Baby turned twenty last year. Yes. And it obviously caused us to do some deep inflection on how truly fucking dirt old we are. So old. <laughs> Just. I mean, I slept weird last night. My fucking shoulder is killing me right now. I was walking this morning on the way here from BART, and, like, my legs felt uneven. Like, I felt like I was almost slightly limping. And I haven't done any strenuous activity this week, Margo. No, as I told you, I've been trying to ward off a cold because my old body cannot work seven days in a row and then continue to be healthy. It rejects the notion itself. I'm pretty sure I threw out my back a few months ago from coughing and sneezing so much. Ooh, that happened to me, too. I think my favorite is when a cold gets you just sick enough that when you start coughing, you feel like you're getting an ab workout. Yeah, exactly. Because if anything, we don't want to work out to get abs, so if we could just cough our way there, that'd be great. Because we're never going to get a six-pack like Britney, no, unfortunately. absolutely um, not. I guess I could do without the hot body, but I would really love a Maserati. Although, actually, the idea of driving a really powerful car, car like that terrifies me. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like I drive it straight into a wall. So maybe it's best for bad bitches like Britney to have that sort of power. But before we start diving deep into our Lord and Savior, Britney Spears, um, I want to talk about what we're not going to cover. Yeah. <laughs> because I just want to set the expectation. We're not going to go deep into her struggles from the year of our Lord, 2007. We've all had a shitty, shitty time before. We've just all been lucky enough to not have a bunch of people watch us. Um, we sort of said it earlier before we started recording, but we both think that should she have undergone the same sort of mental break um, in current times, we would totally be having a completely different conversation. And so let's be better than the Perez Hiltons of the world. Yes. Um, and we're not going to really talk about it because you know the details. It was completely difficult to avoid any of them. 
in 2007. So if you want to, that's what the internet's great for. Just type in Brittany 2007. If you can survive this year, then so can Brittany. Um, you'll figure it out pretty quickly. And I think the other thing, I'm not going to get too, because I was in charge of kind of going into her more recent career. Yeah. Um, I don't get super deep on some of her new albums post-Circus. Um, they're all great or whatever, but I have, maybe there's like maybe a couple singles that are really good, but quite frankly, I think, well, Till the World Ends is a really great club song. Yeah. Um, there are a couple great club hits, but I don't go too deep on those albums. I forget that Kesha wrote that. Oh. Yeah. There are some interesting collaborators along the way, really. Yeah, because Kesha's a part of that. And then, yeah, I'm pretty sure she wrote that song. And that's, like, unfortunately when they were working with Dr. Luke, probably, which is... Mm. Yikes, yikes, yikes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, she... So I guess I'll go into kind of her early life. Do it, um, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Britney Jean Spears was born December 2nd, 1981. As I pointed out to you, as a fellow Sagittarius, all Sagittarii know Britney Spears' birthday. Doesn't matter who it is. My friend's husband shares a birthday with Britney, and the first time I met him, I'm like, oh, when's your birthday? And he's like, December 2nd. I'm like, just like Britney Spears. And he was like, yeah, I, I know. We share a birthday. I was like, oh, so everybody knows. <laughs> It's great who you share birthdays with. My sister shares birthday with Kanye. I share a birthday with Ryder Strong of Boy Meets World, which suits oh, me just fine because, yeah, I always loved him. I mean, I still do. I don't know what he's doing now. I'm Rue McClanahan, like Blanche from the Ooh. Golden Yeah, Blanche from Golden Girls. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, there's some good birthdays in December. Like, I don't personally care for Taylor Swift, but I know that her birthday is December 13th because all Sagittarius need to know each other's birthdays, apparently. Yeah, yeah I'm a day off from Riri. Oh, right. I remember we discovered that this year. Because I'm like, you share a birthday with Riri. You're like, I don't, sadly. I wish. Oh, so <laughs> but let's cool. spread that rumor. <laughs> <laughs> so she's born in Mississippi, but she's raised in Kentwood, Louisiana. Um, so as a kid, she's like crazy doing gymnastics, dancing. They're like, we're going to put you in everything. She ends up doing a bunch of commercials. She does Star Search. She doesn't win. Um, and then she does an off-Broadway production in New York fun fact before Mickey Mouse Club because she was too young when she first auditioned but then oh, she right. she joins Mickey Mouse Club and it's it's kind of getting to the point where like the roll call for MMC or Mickey Mouse Club is like it's like we didn't start the fire by Billy Joel just like <laughs> Justin Timberlake JC Chazay Christina Aguilera Ryan Gosling <laughs> Carrie Russell so it's like this Carrie weird, Russell yes star of the Americans I mean honestly it's been a while since I've seen one of those like VH1 behind the musics because I feel like I learned a lot about Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera about around the same time because they both had like in-depth MTV or VH1 yeah. specials where they oh, had so yeah. much found Driven. Do you remember? Was that it? Or the one where they would in interview, like, her old dance teacher and, like, and then her her mom and, like, all these people, like... Was Driven the one where the, there's that story of Christina Aguilera, like, hitting the high note for that Mulan song yeah. in a shower stall? Yes, yes. And okay. Yes. Yes. It was, um... I just don't recall, like, a little curly-haired Carrie Russell in the background of any of this found footage. Like, I remember Ryan Gosling. So, she was a lot... She was a bit older, so, oh. like, deep dive into Mickey Mouse Club, they, like, split the kids up. There were, like, the right. older kids and the younger kids, and the older kids were, like, Carrie Russell and J.C. Chazay were in the older kids, and then the younger kids, it was Brittany, Justin, and Ryan Gosling and Christina Aguilera. Got it. Yeah. Went in deep there. Uh, so, so that starts out. They the show, uh, like she gets on the show. She gets cast in like end of nineteen ninety two. The show's on until about ninety six when it gets canceled. Um, she goes back to school. She goes back to like a normal school in like Mississippi or Louisiana. It's like whatever. So in nineteen ninety seven, she ends up joining for a hot sec this girl group called Innocence. 
That is I-N-N-O-S-E-N-S-E because in the late 90s, we just named things things and didn't spell them right. uh, Yeah, definitely not following the say it like you spell it. (laughs) So strange. But um, the group was (laughs) managed by not only Lou Pearlman. Yes, that Lou Pearlman. We'll we'll talk about him later this season. And Lynn Harless, who is Justin Timberlake's mom. (laughs) Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Insanity. I know, like, she she found her way in a lot of things at that sure. time. Um, so she's in it for, like, a hot sec, and then she's like, you know what? I'm going to go solo. So she um, it meets her family friend and entertainment lawyer, Larry Rudolph, and he's like, yo, I'm going to become your manager. And he pitches her to a bunch of labels. They're like, we're really not into the single female act right now. We really want, like, girl groups. It was, like, pre- like peak Spice Girls, all that. Anyway, Jive signs her, and there this is one of the first signings of, like, a non-hip-hop band at Jive. Because, like, if you remember, sure, yeah. Jive was, like, I think Tribe Called Quest was on Jive. Like, there were a lot of hip-hop acts in, like, the late 80s, early 90s. Well, Jive was a part of Interscope, right? It was. It was. And so it was huge hip-hop label for quite a bit of time. Oh, yeah. And Interscope had some crazy money. Oh, my god! Just a super quick then, sidebar. My old screenwriting teacher, he had, like, a first look deal with Interscope to, like, just create content i remember him telling us stories i'm like wasn't interscope a record label like was, what was, were you writing about i mean this is this is like david geffen owned it it was yeah. insane and they had so i mean many... it was like 90s clinton money like it that's what we have so... to really kind of keep in perspective we, here we, we should probably do an interscope um related episode sure, I think yeah. both of us could go like hard on that um so, anyway, so she gets signed by Jive, which, like, then later on, B- Backstreet Boys get signed by them, NSYNC sign- gets signed by them. But, anyway, so she goes over to Jive, and she proceeds to record this album, Baby, One More Time, and it's insanity. It gets The single gets released, and album gets released in January of 1999. It sold over 10 million copies in that year. It was and the- we're talking about digital, like, physical this copies, is- not, like, digital downloads. And this to me, people went into a store, yes, like a Tower Records, physically gave them hard cash insanity. or a credit card and got a physical piece of merch. Absolute insanity. So, over time, it has sold 14 million albums and it is to this day the biggest selling album ever by a teenage artist. Holy shit, yes, well done, Brittany. Um, that year later, I think on, it was also part also probably right time right place kind of thing. Oh, of course, and this is something we're gonna think we'll talk about as well when we do boy band stuff, but. Honestly, that time, it's like pre-iTunes, it was just the right period of time. This is like 98 to about 2002, where there was a four-year period where any album released by like Britney, Christina, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, a couple of other artists during that time. I mean, even like a 98 degrees. 98 degrees. Like, you, if you had the right formula, you were selling in the mil. like, you could sell a million within a week. Which right. is insanity. Like, you don't hear about that at all anymore. Like, you, just physical units just does not exist so um that happens and then um well not physical units sorry i just are now the correct correlation would be to vinyl because i feel like people want something that's like different because you don't have a cd player in your car yeah you have it all digitally on your phone or on some other like third-party device or even like loaded up into your car stereo or whatever the fuck you're doing yeah where now i think that that's how it's opened up a venue for vinyl to come for back. sure but you and i and you and i both collect vinyl but what's interesting with vinyl i think is that 
you and I won't necessarily buy every single album on vinyl. Sure, whereas, we're a lot more selective. Exactly. Whereas in 1999, if you liked two songs off of an oh, album, completely. Best believe you're buying the physical CD. Um, that's why you had your Walkman with exactly. like a giant ass oh my God, CD, CD Bible. Oh my God. Yes, where you would just like ah. switch them out every two minutes. Oh like God. I remember being so annoying on road trips because every couple of minutes I'd have to like change oh, out things and like, like start a different CD because all I want to listen to are these three songs over and oh. over and over and then new CD. Yeah, that, I just remember those times. And the struggle. You're like, shit, I can only take 20 CDs with me on vacation. <laughs> what am I taking? Do I want a, the center stage soundtrack? Oh, shit. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I always felt like soundtracks gave you more bang for That's your buck, really right? That's really why I took like, more soundtracks. Same, It was same. like a mixtape with that some, like, Just the company, anxiety yeah. of going abroad, like, going back to France to visit oh my family God, and yes. being like, I could yes. only bring can this only representation yeah. of American yeah. music, music and it oh needs to be on point because I can't let them down. Yeah, and no. I'm helping them stay ahead of the trend curve since... Europe is like five to eight years behind America most of the time yeah. when it comes to pop culture. Now it's a lot, the time span is like shortened up quite a bit because of Netflix and got and Spotify and shit. But back then, it was oh, like, yeah. guys, I've got fucking Eminem's album and everyone freak out. Freak out. Oh my God. Right? It's insane. Uh, so a couple, mo- a couple months after this album gets released, sells a bunch of copies. Britney does that April cover of Rolling Stone, and it's like that infamous one. She's lying on her bed. She's wearing a bra and shorts and an open top with Tinky Winky the Teletubby. And it was shot by David LaChapelle, who oh my she God. went on to work with a bunch of times. Music like he's video god. I mean, definitely like a Robert Maplethorpe meets Andy Warhol, but oh has God. actual talent. Not That's not in regards to Maplethorpe, but more a read on Andy Warhol. Yeah. I mean, he did a lot of iconic music videos oh and God. a lot of iconic photo shoots, like with Pam Anderson. Yes. Um, but he he and Britney have had a long working relationship together that I believe started with this cover. It probably did. I mean, it makes sense. Cause I mean, I remember time... this cover more vividly than I remember my own high school yearbook. Like, I know. I know. It, was it so left such iconic. an impression. And and what's creepy now is we were kind of figuring out ages and stuff. She was 17 when this was shot, which is just all sorts of wrong. But like, I mean, we'll have a whole episode dedicated to them later. But I definitely remember how there was a website when I was in high school that counted down to the Olsen twins turning 18. Oh, my God. Yes. I remember that. Like, too. The, like everybody was just welcome to be a pedophile. Like it was it's, just so gross. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like we've calmed down on that a lot, but yeah, for there was a period of time for sexualizing children. Yeah, um, I mean, not, not, it's yeah. not it, we still got a ways yeah, to go, but it's do. definitely a lot better than Britney Spears half naked in her bedroom in Louisiana being shot by a full grown man. I mean, Dave Lashpal, I'm sure, is a nice person. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on anybody, but just like the sh- like nobody was like this was inappropriate. Like no. No. Let's it's let's commodify her as a sexual object at seventeen, let's, which will kind of feed into your brain being a little wonky later on in life. Yeah, very shortly because all these albums for the first couple of years, those albums come out like back to back to back. Yep, which is why the break between In the Zone and Blackout is significant, huge. So this next album is Oops I Did It Again. It gets re- released in oh pre you know what let's let's just do a little shout out though on. Uh, Baby One More Time, the iconic music video. 
Which every single, so I went to Catholic school for 10 years and every single, remember when Facebook groups were a thing? Like that was Facebook groups. You remember? It's still a thing. It's still a thing, but like not as much. Like you don't, you don't join a group to like show your love for a movie or something anymore. Oh yeah. No, all of our groups are exclusively podcast groups. Right. Exactly. The groups that we're a part of are podcast groups or something like you would might maybe be one for like script writing or something a community like Bay Area or like I don't know. Uh, I think the only non I'm part of two non podcast groups and one is just like geeky shit which a friend of mine he runs it and it's yeah. just to like trade like DC news or Marvel news and like also talk about things that have come out recently or even do like deep dives on that and then the other one is for the sketch group that I write for called Killing My Lobster we're just it's sometimes easier than like an email blast so like I check yeah. that but honestly if it wasn't for Facebook groups I'd fucking delete this shit. Yeah, it's it's kind of gotten old. Um, but anyway, so back then, you used to join Facebook groups for anything. You're like, I'm a fan of this movie. I'm going to join a Facebook group. <laughs> oh, I love this quote. I'm going to join a Facebook group. So there were a bunch around, like, Catholic school survivors. Like, when I first oh, went to college, it was like, here's the group for all you Catholic school survivors. And nine out of ten times... The group picture was Britney Spears and the baby one words. I mean, is there a more, uh, beyond, uh, like, outside of classical music, is there a more iconic uh, key shift besides, like, I I get, me and my cousin learned it on piano, just that part, just so that we could start singing immediately after. You can't see me, but I'm literally just, like, air plucking What is it, like, A-E-D or some shit like that? Uh, Yeah, you're just, like, listing out notes. No, it's B-flat, C-C. <laughs> I'm so glad we cracked that. Detectives here. Um, that music video, another thing that left a giant impression on me, also went, well, went to a Catholic private school for only a couple of years. But just the horrors of having to wear a uniform every day kind of stay with you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And just being like, wow, if my Catholic school was like that, I would have never wanted to leave. I know. Just, like, sexy teenagers everywhere. and Just, like, like brooding in the bleachers. Uh, and I also loved basketball. So I was like, Brittany loves basketball. I know. I love basketball. Oh I wore God. a uniform for four years. She's wearing a uniform. We're, like, the same. My God, I felt it so hard, too. So after this, there's Oops, I Did It Again, which gets released in 2000. That's Another iconic music video. So was that iconic. choreographed by Wade Robson too? I, it probably was. I, I didn't think that check. was the. I think that's the start of him working with Britney. Um, Wade, but you must have been if you were a fan of Britney and in sync at any point, especially early on in their careers, yes. you're probably very familiar with him because even like the making the music video. Oh, he was serious. He was always in the tips and all. And that oh questionable God. goatee. Yeah, there was a lot of that though. You know, I mean, the... he still has a questionable goatee. I mean, I feel like he grew into it, which is a weird thing to say. But it looks better now than it did before, probably because it just looks less awkward on a 40-year-old man versus, like, a 21-year-old man. That's probably true. Yeah. That's probably true. (laughs) So in Oops, I Did It Again, get this, like, the album was recorded six days after Britney. She had been on tour for, like, 60 days or something like that. And then she's like, oh, take a week, and then goes and records an album. Like, is that the tour? Was that her joint tour with NSYNC? I think it was. I don't, I don't. Ooh, that's the tour that Mandy Moore opened for them. (gasps) You're right. That's like what a what a time to be a hero and a gift, Mandy Moore. Yeah. Oh my god. So in the first week, back to crazy album sales, two point four million copies. Like what? I pre-ordered that CD for my sister's birthday. (laughs) Camille is like tenth birth. I think it was her tenth birthday, and I pre-ordered this. It came with a poster. Ooh. (laughs) Um, And this is the first time we start seeing Rodney Jerkins, a.k.a. Dark Child, produce her album. So we've got Max Martin, of course. Genuinely forget that's his real name. Dark Child. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, just so you all know who Dark Child is, I mean, Destiny's Child, like, Say My Name, the Writings on the Wall album, Janet Jackson, Beyonce, Brandy Missy. and Mon- yeah, Missy Elliott, Jennifer Lopez, Brandy and Monica's The Boy Is Mine. Oh, what an iconic God. duet. What a, uh, what a perfect music video. I mean, Omar oh, Epps. Oh, my God. No, it's McKay. Oh, it's McKay Pfeiffer. Oh, my God. Even still, like, that caliber, like, he was also, like, peak career was, like, oh taking a step down to be in this music video yes. was such a huge deal. <sighs> what a great song. Oh, oh man. So, 2.4 million copies, absolute insanity. And this is also around the time in 2000 where at the video music awards, the VMAs, she shows up with the flesh colored bodysuit and does the oops, I did. she strip teases. Like she's wearing the suit and then with the fedora and then she just rips it off and then she's wearing like this flesh colored right. bodysuit. Like, yeah, which at the time she's what 18. Like, it's like Swarovski crystals. Yeah. Which I remember when those were a thing. Um, oh I mean, they're still a thing, but they were so much more prominent in, like, the early 2000s for some reason. And, and what Between if, her and Paris Hilton, they kept that alive. alive. <laughs> so alive. And what's interesting is you can also, on, on top of, like, Britney's career being measured, you know, in, like, the, the main points are through albums, you can also do it by VMA performances. That's true. And that's really interesting. I don't think there's a single other uh, musician, really, who you can think of and be like... Oh, yeah, that's the year she did that VMA performance. But this is the flesh-colored bodysuit, and this is around the time she it becomes public that she's dating Justin Timberlake. Right, so is it the following year when she showed the VMAs and both of them are in that iconic... I believe I mean, so, yes. Truly, yes. I, we, I know we toss around the word iconic very freely on this show, but truly iconic. Truly iconic. Most people, I feel like that was a turning point for people who weren't already into Britney to get into Britney, because yeah. like, Look, if this down-home girl is going to wear an all-denim outfit to the VMAs and match with her boyfriend, then she is on some fun shit, and I'm going to follow her career a little bit more. So I saw, years ago, I was out in Halloween in San Francisco, and I saw a couple who did a Halloween costume where they recreated (laughs) the look. I saw them a fucking block away, and I was like, oh my god, freaked out. (laughs) I was so excited. I took a picture of them, which I'll show you later. Oh, my God. It was just... And we should definitely put that on the Instagram. Oh, my God. It was so good. So, I know you're planning to dress up like Elizabeth Holmes this year for Halloween, but yes. I think I'm going to yeah, force... me, yes. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to force my husband to dress like Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears from the VMAs that year. I think that's a great idea, Marco. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, the way to solidify our union. What I mean, we already did a lip sync to Erica Jane for our wedding. Now we're going to dress up as my favorite celebrity couple in my most perfect moment in time. The mm. 2002 VMAs. Oh, such a great thing. Uh, it's like that blog set. Like, pop culture really did die in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. What are you talking about? Now we have Rita Ora. I know. <laughs> oh, what a queen. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Who's that girl? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. Shout out. Um, so after, okay, so during Oops, I Did It Again, like just, you know, Insanity, this is the album which we have. What else? There's um, Stronger's on it, Lucky. Oh, my I Oh mean, my God, Lucky. Oh, what so a epic. great, I mean, this is, I think Lucky is a turning point of like when she started to do things that were a little bit more autobiographical. Yes, yes, And yes, I mean, yes. I'll get into this later. But Lucky is not, like, my favorite song, but when I saw her in Vegas and she started singing it, I suddenly was the biggest stan of the song Lucky you've ever... I was, like, scream 
screaming, singing at the I same time. I started crying a little. <laughs> like, it, I need to go see She her. legit performed it, like, there's, like, a half moon out. Like, she yeah. recreated the fucking set from this music video. Uh, I was like, you beautiful, talented woman, I uh, love you so much. She knows what the people want. She just truly gets it. Anyway, oh I'll get into that later. Uh, I'll let so, you finish. So Lucky good. is great. Um, stronger with the chair dance, remember? Iconic. Which is a, again, <laughs> which is kind of a homage to um, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. Mm-hmm. A lot of chair dances in the late '90s. You get it in Backstreet Boys. You get it in a couple of other. Like it, it's a very in sync. In sync did it too. It's gonna be May. <laughs> and then I feel like 98 Degrees also did it. They but might, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, and it, so it, it's just like. That's pretty iconic. And then the face change, which happens in that ba- same Backstreet Boys video. It's uh, As Long As You Love Me. You do, like, the one in, like, black or white, the Michael Jackson. Oh. Like, there's the face morph. Anyway. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those both things, very iconic 90s thing. Anyway, so that album happens. Britney, of course, solidified as this, like, huge superstar. Then we get into Britney, the third album, which is not only produced by Dark Child and Max Martin, it's also the Neptunes come into this, which mm-hmm. I feel like, the Neptunes had been known at that at that point, but I feel like this was, you know, one of the first times we saw them go into pop music, really. I think it was when they got recognized the most for being actual producers. Because I don't, offhand, I do not remember when, um, shit, I am drawing a blank on their first album, but I could tell you the cover in detail where it's like the dude sitting on the couch playing video games and yeah, he's looking yeah, out yeah, yeah. in search of. Boom. Nailed yes. it. I was a sophomore in high school, but I was super obsessed with them. But I didn't realize how prolific their producing career was until Britney started shouting them out a little bit more. And then, I mean, I feel like they hit peak when they started working on Justin Timberlake's Justified as well. But it was also mostly Pharrell had established himself as, like, an independent producer who had a really gifted ear, like, on the same level as, like, a Timberlake. Fellow Virginian. Timbaland, get this. But Missy Timberland, Timberlake. Sorry. No, oh my God. Timbaland, <laughs> Missy Elliott, and Pharrell are all from Virginia Beach. I know. You're so lucky. I know. Such great Virginians. So lucky. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, Brittany happens. The iconic, another VMA iconic moment. Um, she's wearing the bikini, like the green bikini thing and with the, 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 the albino python. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, so, the Slave for You music video, another uh, one that left a deep impact. So I used to live around the corner. From one of my really good friends growing up, and our whole thing was learning the choreography of our favorite music mm. videos. And to this day, I don't remember much, but I definitely remember ninety percent of the Slave for You choreography, where you go and you do like the hands in front of your face. It's like up, down, and then you slide side to side with your arms in front, and then you stop, grab your boobs, you put your head down, and then when you lift up, you have moose ears, and then you're like, get it, get it, and you go around in a circle, and then there's also, like, the belly dancing part. I oh, fucking so love this music video. She Even was reenacting it, you they guys. they basically have an orgy in it, so it was, like, deeply yeah. inappropriate, and I also did not fully comprehend what I was seeing, but... The sweatiness. The so sweaty, and so she's, like, sweaty. in some apartment building in Thailand. I don't know, and, like, the I like to think rise. that I posit that this music video also takes place in the same universe is the till the, till the world ends music video? Oh, where totally. She, yeah, it's the same universe. Totally. And considering like wearing that and the low riders. Oh my god, low oh, riders. Please, yeah, please do like, not bring back low rise jeans. Oh we god, don't want we, them. I but I think she it, was one of the first. I mean, outside of drag queens that I'd ever seen somebody wear chaps over pants. Yeah. Or like they were pant chaps, and then like Christina. It was also big with Christina Aguilera, obviously oh, from the god. dirty music yes. video. Duh. Duh. But like. <laughs> But the thong, the exposed thong, the grinding, the heavy breathing, oh my God. it was, oh my, <laughs> <laughs> baby, 
What a great song. I think we could probably do an entire deep dive just of A Slave for You, so I will let you carry on. Oh, yes. So this album, Britney, includes several songs, including Not Yet, Not a Girl, (laughs) Not Yet a Woman, which is another one of our autobiographical forays. Mm -hmm. Um, We found out during this research that not only was it written by Max Martin and Rami, who is another frequent writer on her songs, but Dido also co-wrote this. This is 2001, guys, so this is like peak Dido. It's like the Stan music video had come out. Oh, like, right. Um, and I feel like this is the perfect place for us to start talking about Crossroads. Oh, great, because this is where yeah. I come in. Yeah. Um, right, so I shout out in my little write-up here about Crossroads that there are two notable singles from this movie, which is I'm Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman, where she is somewhere in Arizona singing on top of some Red Rocks. Yeah. I remember that being, like, super deep, and I yep. also remember quoting that song very earnestly in my journal in middle school and just being like I feel this at 13 um, and her other single was that cover of the Joan Jett song I Love Rock and Roll oh yeah which she sings in a bar sort of apprehensively and then ends up winning some money that they desperately need She's... then upsetting hold on Taryn Manning <laughs> who I have been calling Tamron Mannheim all morning shout out to Don't the know practice why. Well, it's like a combination of Tamron Hall and Cameron Mannheim. I don't even know what I am thinking. Uh, Anyway, so Crossroads is iconic for a number of reasons, but let's start with the behind the scenes of it all. This was written by Shonda motherfucking Rhymes. Like, I can't believe it. If Shonda Rhymes can write Crossroads in 2002, we can do anything. I mean, M. Night Shyamalan and she's all that. Like, that's that's another. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't throw me off. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Go on. My focus is already so tenuous. Okay. And it was directed by Tamara Davis, who is best known, at least to me, for directing Half Baked. Mm. She currently directs a lot of TV, which is honestly where all the fucking money is right now. For sure. Anyway, so Brittany, it was no secret for a while that she had wanted to break into acting. I think she had had some minor roles in some TV shows, but, like, also, if you had watched any of, like, her behind-the-scenes making the music videos on MTV or anything like that, like, they, there were also some, like, True Life and Britney Spears. Not that, but, like, something of that effect. You could tell that she really wanted to get into acting. So, uh, uh, honestly, setting a trend, because starlets do this all the time now, which is oh, yeah. she pitched a concept to be her star vehicle. And so... She had um, approached, well, I don't know if it was like a, it's not quite clear if it was like a studio had teamed up with her and then brought in Shonda Rhimes or if she had found Shonda and they like teamed up. But her and Shonda Rhimes had gotten together, discussed what she sort of like wanted from the movie, and then they came up with Crossroads. Um, So they had the framework, which was just a post-high school graduation road trip. And then what we ended up getting was Dan Aykroyd played Britney's dad, Mm. Kim Cattrall played Taryn Mitt. Taryn Manning's mother, who lives in Arizona and wants nothing to do with her. And, of course, the shittiest lesson of them all, Zoe Saldana teaches us about the dangers of date rape with her terrible, terrible boyfriend. Mm. Um, it was obviously critically critically panned when it was first released. Yes. Um, that's truly not surprising. They also panned Glitter, which was part of the comparisons that kind of came along with the critiques. Uh, it currently has a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. I know, but it did go on to not only gross six point one million internationally with like a shoestring budget, but it's also a giant cult classic now. Oh yeah, and it was covered on How This Get Made, and their guest star that week was Retta. 
And I I genuinely don't think it's that bad of a movie. No. I think that there are parts of it that are genuinely very good. I don't think that Britney's a terrific actress, and maybe she's not a lead. Maybe she is the best friend or a supporting character. But I think that she's not a terrible actress. I think that there are much worse actresses. Oh, yeah. And then I think this time, like, you have to understand, like, remember, this is, like, 2001, right? Like 2001 so, or 2002. This is the time when there were just so many teen movies coming out. Like, this is this, like, 1998 to 2002 period. It's just, like, in the hierarchy of, of, of teen movies, I think it's it's a solid middle. It's not... It's not the best, but it's not like there's some real garbage that came out during that time. Oh, completely. I think that there could have been, it could have been way worse of a movie. I, even in watching it, like there were parts of it that were sort of nonsensical, Mm -hmm. but mostly, I mean, first of all, they picked up a random guy Yeah, and he didn't end up murdering them. Yep. Who should have been a thing, but I guess wasn't. And he's definitely one of those people where as you're looking at him, you forget what his name is like actively. I keep wanting to call him Ansel Elgort, but I'll stop. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, and then in the time between Crossroads and Chaotic, the TV show, um, Brittany has a couple successful. T- Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tours, she releases another album, but I really just want to get to Chaotic because this was another show that has, like, stuck out in my mind, even though it was only five episodes and ran for a very short amount of time. It is, I think it, I mean, it was VH1 celeb reality before they even had it. Yep. In so many ways. So, what you may not know is that Brittany and Kevin Chaotic was created by the man who has given us CSI. Bless. Which I truly, like, I don't know how you get from reality TV following Britney Spears and her Kurt Paramore to solving crimes with uh, the dad from Fear, but... That is the <laughs> the correlation that we're working with, and we're going to fucking go uh, for it. Foreshadowing for a teen thriller. <laughs> <laughs> for a teen thriller episode. Just doing a little bit of native advertising. Um, Chaotic premiered on UPN oh. in May of 2005. Wow. I know. Talk about an early 2000s network. I know. I mean, Moesha was on this channel at the time. What was that Eva, um, or Eve, excuse me, show? Oh, not... I don't remember. I don't but know. But that was also on ESPN. Yeah. Everybody Hates Chris. Chris Rock's first show. Oh, yeah. uh, first, like, narrative show. Anyway, it was initially initially pitched as a backstage docuseries following Britney's tour in support of In the Zone called The Onyx Hotel Tour, which, if you were watching MTV in 2004, you fucking saw the trailers for this tour. It was, like, oh, sexy, like, we don't know, like, different rooms in a hotel. To me, honestly, because I was a weird 
14 year old or whatever I was like this sort of seems like four rooms that Quentin Tarantino movie yeah where like you go into a different hotel room and like weird shit happens and, like maybe Madonna's there I don't really know I would more easily remember the Onyx Hotel tour name than I would in the Zone album. I guess that's true. And I yeah. always remember thinking that it was bizarre that she didn't have, it didn't have anything to do with in the Zone. And this was also a notable time for Britney because she, it was when she was definitely shedding, I think it started with Crossroads and then culminated in Chaotic. Yes. And in between, there was also her kiss with Madonna at the VMAs. Talk oh, about yeah. iconic performance. Yeah, of course. Which... We cut away, so Britney and Madonna kiss as they're singing Me Against the Music, and she's performing with Christina Aguilera, and it's like this olive branch of a moment. Like, these two pop stars that you thought hated each other actually get along super well, and they're both making out with Madonna, except we didn't get to see Christina Aguilera really make out with Madonna because they were too busy cutting to Justin Timberlake looking grossed out, which, fuck you, buddy. Um, your most successful song is a song, a breakup song about Britney. So really, I hope you're sending her half of your royalties for Crimea a River because fuck you and your exploitative bullshit. But this was her part of her. I'm no longer a Disney character. I'm not this like innocent teen anymore. I am. I'm maturing. I am entering my twenties. She was just trying to really shake off this image, and so. <laughs> She wanted to do that. She was getting progressively more sexy, obviously starting with the Slave for You music video and then kind of culminating in this Onyx Hotel tour, which was supposed to be like really like, ooh, like flowy drapes and like kimono robes and God knows what else. But uh, in the middle of shooting a music video for Outrageous, she injured her knee and had to cancel the rest of her tour as a result. So because of that, <clears throat> her Onyx Hotel docuseries was shelved indefinitely until she got better. But in the time between her hurting her knee and canceling this tour, she met notoriously fertile backup dancer Kevin Federline, <laughs> who was fresh from impregnating Char Jackson. Oh my god. And they quickly got engaged. And maybe this is like too personal or whatever, but I always thought that Brittany proposing to Kevin and buying her own engagement ring was like a really negative sign, mostly because my mom bought her own engagement ring and proposed to my dad, and they had not an amicable, amicable divorce. And I was like, this is spelling trouble. <laughs> Brittany, you in danger, girl. But, you know, whatever. When you're rebelling in your yeah. early 20s after having a super controlled adolescence and teen years, I guess all reason goes out the window. Mm -hmm. um, so originally it was titled, Brittany and Kevin, Can You Handle Our Truth? Which... Is like such a fucking real housewives. Oh yeah, and they've like co-opted like it's my truth. I'm standing in my truth, yeah, yeah. which is just like another way of saying alternative facts. It's like facts aren't feelings, or feelings aren't facts. Excuse me, as my no. therapist would say, or our therapist would say, our therapist. Shout out to Mary, <laughs> Mary. Um, and so. <laughs> Her being like, this is my truth, felt like really, I felt like it was like the beginning of like that sort of rhetoric that kind of like has taken over celebrity pop culture. I mean, now it's progressed into like writing apologies into note, notes apps, but like back then it was like, this is my truth, like I live my life and what you see in the tabloids is different than what happens behind the scenes. And like, I think it's definitely one of those things where it's like, they're half right and you're half right and then somewhere in between is like where the truth really lies. It was a part of a string of reality shows where it was like this celebrities, they're just like us kind of moment of like, this is our truth. And it was pre-social media, but like a glimpse into what it was like to be said celebrity for two seconds. I mean, honestly, I just remember them making out on private jets a lot. Yes. That's like, mo yes. and Brittany dyeing her hair a darker color and thinking to myself, I don't know if that's working for you. No. <laughs> She's a very iconic blonde. She is a very iconic blonde, and I just feel like when most 
Just, it, I sort of felt like it's like when you get bangs when you're like mildly depressed. It's just like oh, when yeah. you dye your hair darker when you are naturally a lighter color. It's like something's happening here and I don't know what it is. I was on an odd year cadence for bangs for a while. I broke that cycle a couple of years ago. Well, in the current KML show, that, which is about being in therapy called How to Make You Feel, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> there is a sketch about bangs. And oh my God. Like how bangs can relieve temporary, mildly can relieve uh, temporary depression if you just get them quickly and like change your haircut. She's like, not all women deserve bangs, but it's the haircut that you need when you feel mildly depressed and you can't afford therapy. It's so true. And so is dyeing your hair darker. Um, the series was ultimately forgettable, but it was five episodes that sort of gave us an unprecedented look into a really like just astronomically famous, internationally famous pop star's life for, yes. for five episodes. Right. And the whole thing culminated in them tricking their family into thinking they were going to an engagement party, but really it was their wedding. Oh. If you shall cast your mind back to that moment. Uh-uh. Yeah, don't. It's better that you don't. Um, <laughs> and so we're going to skip all the ugly stuff and all the time that she took off between Chaotic and not releasing an album. So her last album was In the Zone. That came out in 2003. Yeah. Her next album, Blackout, which I personally feel is just her best album and is, quite frankly, probably one of the best pop albums of all time. I feel very confident in... Actually, you know what? I should rephrase that. It is one of the best pop albums of all time. Oh, yeah. It was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2012, so I feel really... feel like the facts are behind me on this one. (laughs) Totally. But it was released in October 2007, so she hadn't released any music in 2003, 4, 5, 6, seven, 4 years, which, which is quite a bit. Time, yeah, and then that, that time for a pop star, like, unheard of. Well, I mean, in some ways, she was relevant mostly because of the paparazzi's obsession yeah. with her and, const- like, minute by minute, hour by, like, we're just constantly following her all the fucking time. Right. So it was her fifth studio album, and it was her first since 2003, and it sadly got lost in the shuffle of all of her personal struggles and her divorce from K-Fed after having two children. But it definitely marked a new era of Britney. Um, she worked with the Neptunes again, Danger and Bloodshy, who she has worked with on other albums as well. It was critically acclaimed, but her, sadly, led to one of her I- iconic for all of the wrong reasons VMA performance yeah. that year of oh, Gimme More. And it just seemed like, I think that most people... Some people were really aggressive and gross about it on the internet about how she performed, but I think a lot of people saw it for what it was, which is she wasn't quite all the way ready to be in the spotlight again and to handle that sort of attention and pressure, and there was lots of behind-the-scenes talk that was, like, leaking out to the press about how she was, like, missing rehearsals and showing up late and that she just didn't seem to be, like, she wasn't in shape because I think a lot of, in a lot of ways, going on tour and performing live is a lo- is not unlike running a marathon. Yeah. You have to train. Yeah. And I mean, she made it clear in a lot of other docuseries that in a lot of behind the scenes of tours that she let people in on was that she's like working out every single day, twice a day, doing rehearsals, vocal performances, and to jump in sort of cold into a VMA performance. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead for lack of a better term, call it sleepy. Yeah. Um, she never toured this album as a result of personal problems, but she did end up sort of doing, when she toured her album Circus that came out in 2009, she ended up sort of doing like a half and half mix of like circus tracks and blackout tracks since she hadn't performed them live yet. Right. Um, the singles that were released from that album were Gimme More, Piece of Me, and Break the Ice, but honestly, it is top to bottom just bops. Uh, Radar, Heaven on Earth, Get Naked. There's so, I feel like you just, I was listening to this album before we came in to record i just think that you can listen to it all the way through and it's solid fucking pop work it's a great album 
Um, so when she did finally come back for real post-conservative, post-conservatorship, conservatorship? Yeah, conservatorship. Such a weird word. Yeah. You don't get to use it often. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I only really use this word when I literally talk about Britney Spears. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we came back with that and she was releasing the circus album, there was an MTV special called For the Record, mm-hmm. and it was a documentary slash promo tool for her comeback at this point. Yeah. So she was getting ready to tour circus, and she sort of kind of gave everybody a behind-the-scenes look into how her life sort of had spiraled a bit out of control. I mean, honestly, I, I remember watching the documentary when it came out. Me too, in my dorm room or something. Yeah, yeah. I was we were in or college. Like college, yeah. It was 2008 or 2000. It was in a house. No, yeah. it was 2009. Yeah, when it came out. I mean, we was living in a house. Yeah. And didn't have cable, so had to go to someone's house who had cable. Yep. And watched it, and it, I just remember feeling like, okay, good. Yeah. She seems better. Yeah. And I think that she's on the road. Like, I think we'll get, you know, solid pop Britney back again. Right. But it didn't tell me anything that I didn't already know in some ways. Well, and something worth noting is in the midst of all this, when she's recording it, I'd forgotten. You always forget with Britney how young she is. Yeah. She's 26 years old at this point. She's a mother of two and, like, has in the midst of a divorce. Like, a super public divorce. A super public divorce. After going through, like, multiple public breakups. Yeah, and she'd been married for two seconds to Jason Allen Alexander, if you don't... Oh, my God, of course. The one that she got annulled in that little white chapel in Vegas. Yep, When she was, like, clearly on Molly. Yeah. And it's, I mean... No judgment. Who among us has not been on Molly in Vegas doing stupid fucking shit? All of us. But it's, I mean, you think about this. 26 years old. Like, I was such a dumbass at 26. Yeah. And, like, did so much stupid stuff. I like to go on record on saying, I'm still currently a dumbass. Yeah, we're both two 31-year-old dumbasses. But, (laughs) but, currently still struggling. Still struggling. But, I mean, like, obviously all of our dumbassery, for lack of a better word, shenanigans. (laughs) Shenanigans makes it seem like we're a lot more fun. We didn't have the paparazzi. We no. didn't have to do a tour. We didn't have to deal with a divorce. And To be quite honest, I think Anne Hathaway said it best on some late night interview. I think when she was like stumping for her Oscar, but she had talked about, I think somebody had asked her to like comment on pop stars and, celeb- and younger celebrities getting packed like in bars. Like I think, she, oh no, I'm sorry. She was asked about Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears and Anne Hathaway was like, um, I did all of that dumb shit. I just was lucky enough to not be famous at that point in time, so nobody gave a fuck about taking a picture of me yeah. dancing in a bar or puking in the street or whatever the fuck. And again, that's why I say, who among us hasn't been on Molly in Vegas making bad decisions? I have. I once got so drunk in Vegas, I got lost inside of a casino and had to call my friend to talk me out of it. <laughs> I could not find the door. <laughs> and the ironic, I mean, I think peak irony was all weekend, I was like, I'm going to get lost in one of these casinos. And they're like, you'll be fine. Stop saying that. And then I did, in fact, get super fucking lost in the wind casino. And then was drunkenly trying to pay my cabbie in vouchers from um, <laughs> from penny slots. Because that's a valid currency. Well, I didn't have any cash. <laughs> I don't know. This was like pre-Uber. And he didn't have a card reader. And so I was like, just take the $7 voucher I won from the Dolly Parton penny slots it's good. Don't worry. It's good. You can have it. <laughs> Who among us has not done this? All right. Oh. Um, so she releases Circus, and then it goes Femme Fatale, Femme Fatale, which has Till the World Ends and Hold It Against Me. Written by Kesha. And then we have Brittany Jean that comes out in 2013. And then most recently, Glory, which was released in 2016. Um, but I'm going to rewind a little bit to talk a- about 
a podcast that is perfect and also was gone too soon and i love starly klein uh mystery show they have honestly is probably one of the most illuminating looks into britney spears's current life so if you're unfamiliar with mystery show starly klein every week for six episodes investigates like strange mysteries in people's personal lives and sometimes they intersect with celebrities like Jake Gyllenhaal sometimes they are about a welcome back Carter lunchbox and sometimes they're about Britney Spears so in this episode uh Starley Klein's friend who is a writer her name is Andrea Siegel she wrote the book to feel stuff she I mean admittedly in the episode says that she's not a writer who sells very well and is a huge Britney Spears fan she got into Britney around the time that she walked the VMA red carpet with Justin Timberlake dressed in all denim and one of the best moments of her life was when Britney Spears was packed in Malibu post dinner with her parents during like in the early conservatorship relationship holding the to feel stuff book and it sort of like resulted in like a small bump in sales for her but for her her greatest mystery was that she wanted to know how she ended up finding the book what she thought about it and if she had any critiques so Starly tries a number of different venues to try and get a hold of Britney Spears. All of them sort of fall flat. So Starly ends up buying a VIP ticket to see Britney in Vegas in her residency to ask her about the To Feel Stuff book. That's amazing. To be completely honest, what Britney ended up saying to her was essentially like, I don't fucking remember. And like, it was a good book and I enjoyed it. Like, and, and maybe she did. Maybe she was just saying that to like get a strange person to stop asking her questions or what. But what I thought was the most interesting is, so she buys the VIP experience, which is a meet and greet with Britney. And at the top, before you actually end up meeting Britney Spears, Fee, her long-suffering assistant, who honestly, when she got rid of Fee during, like, her personal struggles, was the point where I think everybody who knew Britney was like, something is really wrong. Like, Fee is, like, her right-hand man. Like, that is her fucking bestie. This woman has her back and her best interests at heart all the fucking time. So her getting rid of her is not a positive sign to me. But Fee is back in the mix. And she gives everybody a speech. And honestly, to this day, kind of haunts me a little bit. But Fee is talking about, like, don't make any sudden movements around Britney. Like, we, she doesn't know you. First and foremost, she doesn't know you. I know it feels like you know her, but you can't just, like, run up to her and immediately start, like, you can't just be halfway through a conversation in your mind thinking that she knows exactly what you think because she's never met you before. I know yeah. it feels like you know her, but you really do not know her at all. Also, take your hands out of your pockets. If you put your hands in your fucking pockets, you can't take a picture with her. You can't get near her. And also, no sudden movements. Don't do anything freaky. I mean, that's like, a good friend. That's, honestly, no, in the day and age, like, post-Selena world. Yeah, no, that's, that's Which I know valid. that it wasn't a fan that killed her, but still, like, you just never know. And I just found it to be very interesting. Starly sort of, like, describes it as, like, not being in a zoo, because that sounds really rude, but just, like, watching somebody who's on display yeah. for the purpose of being on display. That's how she makes money. And, like, I understand it's transactional, but just... Getting a glimpse into her life in this way was very illuminating. And this was also pre-Instagram star that she is now, where she is painting flowers and hearts in, like, her backyard in, like, short shorts and, like, a shawl. Listening to her own music is, like, one thing. But this was a completely different side of her. And just, I think the take your hands out of your pockets thing is, like, what stuck with me the most. But it's a really worthwhile episode to listen to just to sort of get a glimpse into if you've ever wondered what Britney's day-to-day looks like it's a lot of work like it's a lot of work to be her and she doesn't get to go out and be a normal person at all she doesn't get to have normal interactions but even just the whole like you think you know her but you don't know her it's sort of relatable in the sense that like how 
podcasts and Twitter and a lot of social media makes you feel like you're closer to a celebrity than you truly are. Yeah, no, and I, yeah, you're absolutely <clears throat> right. I think there's this level of, of closeness and relatability that we have. I, I think it's what makes, for instance, like, the Selena Zons, for example. Like, so people, like, Celine Dion, I've always been a stan, even when people hated on her. But I feel like it's been very cool in the last couple of years for millennials to be like, I fucking love Celine Dion. And it's because of her crazy Instagram presence. And, like, she just does all this shit. And you're like, she's that crazy next-door neighbor that you would absolutely adore if she lived next door to you. But, like, you know, and it, there are a lot of celebrities like this, um, old and young, on Instagram and on Twitter and all that. But you're right. Like, we don't really know them. We think we know them based on this Instagram personality that they have put out in this world. Yeah. I found it to be super fascinating. <clears throat> Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I want to get into is her mega successful Vegas residency. Yeah. Uh, she began performing at Planet Hollywood in December of 2013. It closed in 2017 after 250 performances and the show grossed $138 million. Girl. She's the third most successful Vegas residency, right behind Celine Dion and Elton John, who are respectively queen and king of Vegas residencies. Yeah. I was lucky enough to see her Vegas residency before it closed. The piece of me won, because she's about to open a new one. It was stalled because her dad was sick. He got sick towards the end of last year, but I think it's back on, and I believe she's going to open at the end of this year, maybe early next year. Yeah. Nothing super confirmed yet, but it's going to be... Britney Spears' Total Domination, I believe is what it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, But her Vegas residency piece of me, I saw that for my 30th birthday and dragged six of my best friends. Amazing. And it was the best birthday I have ever had. Her, it was just two hours of her dancing up a store. Like, there's no other way. She just danced for two hours straight. And there were set changes, and it was just, like, I am really getting into the idea of Vegas residencies simply for the convenience factors. Like, it allows the celebrity or pop star who's performing to have, like, a regular normal life where they don't have to travel around a lot. Yeah. It leaves them in one centralized place so that I can pick a day and a time that is best for me to buy a ticket and spend a weekend in Vegas and go see this person. And I think it's, Britney sort of made it cool to have a Vegas residency because after her... I think J-Lo had one. I mean, Gaga's there currently. Cardi yeah. B is going to start a Vegas residency soon. I mean, it, it, Gwen Stefani has one as well. Yep. Just celebrities, large and small, performing celebrities, large and small, get to have just sort of like a little corner where like people who are their fans that haven't had the opportunity to see them perform live yet can kind of all come together in one centralized location. You aren't at risk of like something, sell- I mean, something might sell out one weekend, but that doesn't mean that you can't go the following weekend. Like, it's just so much easier, I feel like, kind of have performers sort of on demand but her show was incredible she performed hits from every genre and she did a great mix of different songs her dancing is on point tight she did a great remix of toxic where she's in a rainforest and she's like at the top of this tree and she's hanging around she's singing toxic like sort of slowly languidly like and then all of a sudden the beat fucking kicks in this bitch flies halfway across planet hollywood's auditorium flies back all of us are fucking losing our whole minds Uh, and like then she she just danced for two hours straight and that's all you really want she pulled somebody out of the crowd for um uh, if you seek Amy and like walked him around, dominatrix style, <sighs> which is amazing. Bob. So great! I mean, just performed all the hits. She also had a dance break 
that was a Missy Elliott tribute, and it was a two-minute dance oh. break, and it was a medley of Missy songs that she and her dancers just fucking went ham on. I mean, she is a total consummate performer. She is polished. She has great looks. She is a fantastic dancer. Obviously, you do not go for the vocal performance. If you say that, you are a dickhead. You just go to watch and be in awe for two hours. And I think one of my favorite memories, though, of the Britney performance, which, again, I dragged six friends. Two of them aren't, like, I mean, they like Britney just fine, but they weren't really going to this Britney thing for Britney necessarily. And so there were six of us standing in a line, and it's, like, my, one of my, three of my best friends around me, and then the other two, who are also my best friends, but were on the other end, and they were just arms crossed watching Britney, super serious, just, like, taking mental notes. And one of my best friends, Cass, when we were in the bar afterwards, just, like, decompressing from how amazing it was. And, like, all of us are just, like, really just amped up and, like, ready to go fucking dance. And I ended up in a twerk-off with a um, with a dancer at the Planet Hollywood, like, hearts-shaped bar. Anyway. <laughs> um, whatever. It run me a whole bottle of free Prosecco, so I got it. It was fine. Don't worry about it. Anyway, my friend Cass <clears throat> was like, did you catch, like, her little, like, gymnastics hands? Like, every time she was about to start doing, like, a, lar- a long breakdown of a dance, she would do these, like, weird little hands where she'd, like, have her little hands out, and she'd be like, huh, I'm ready, Brittany, uh. And she's like, and then she'd immediately skip halfway down the, st- halfway across the stage. So we start calling her Skipney, but Cass had, like, her little mannerisms down pat. It was just, like, hands down, up, pause, freeze. I mean, she's, like, she's been doing this for so long. I'm sure she sleepwalks like this. I, yeah, yeah. Consummate performer. I'm so happy that her life is working out as well as it is. She's yeah. got that hot personal trainer boyfriend who, another quick, super funny sidebar, uh, when I was on my honeymoon in Italy, in Rome, um, we went to dinner one night and we were sitting next to a dude who was by himself and he had a whole carafe of red wine solo and he was eating an entire <laughs> entire bowl of, like, carbonara. And I looked over, and the dude looked like Britney Spears' boyfriend, looked like Sam Ashigari, which I mentioned to my husband, which he said, who? And I said, Britney Spears' boyfriend. And then he said, who? And then I looked it up on Instagram and showed him a picture. And he was like, okay, I guess he kind of looks like him. Anyway, this man crushes an entire bowl of carbonara pasta. And we're like, okay. I, I think to myself, surely that's it. He's done eating all of this food. And then I see a whole ass pizza come out. I'm like, who's that uh. for? Gets dropped off at Sam Ashigari Doppelganger's table. He eats the whole pizza, including the crust. Wow. And in the middle of our di- our collective dinner, we're in a restaurant that's like on a- off of a piazza. It's a very lively piazza. It's Friday night, so everybody's out. <clears throat> and we see like a crowd start to accumulate in front of the restaurant. And we start hearing like cheers and like other things going on. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? So I get up, <clears throat> sort of look outside, and I notice somebody is hanging, George Michael style, motionless from a monkey bar, and then he falls, and everybody starts booing. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And I notice Sam Ashigari's doppelganger goes out and like checks it out a couple times. So this man eats a whole bowl of carbonara, eats a whole pizza, drinks an entire carafe of red wine, and then goes outside. I later find out because we leave around the same time as, as Sam Ashigari's doppelganger, and we go outside with him. And we notice that there is a hanging bar on, like, a very rickety, I, for lack of a better term, like, fake Instagram frame that says, 100 euros, hang from the bar for two minutes. You have to hang from this bar motionless 
That's why I say George Michael on a monkey bar, yeah. motionless hanging for two minutes, and you win 100 euros. There's also a five euro buy-in, so like there's a bit of a scam happening here. Oh, because totally. no one can fucking hang no. motionless from a monkey bar for two minutes straight. Again, unless you're Michael Sarah. So Sam Ashigari, loaded up on carbs, is now paying five euros for an entrance fee. And we're about to go have like a little fucking Aperol spritz at the bar across the street. I'm like, no. We were watching this. Sam Ashigari's doppelganger, who is full, like, we just saw him eat a meal for four people and drink an entire bottle of wine. We are watching this go down. That's like an Andre the Giant type of... I mean, it was comical. So we watch him. Homeboy did not last 45 seconds. He immediately felt like a fucking ton of bricks, and I was the first to boo him. I was like, (laughs) Sam Ashigari for real would never. No. Would never. No. (sighs) Anyway. That's my story. Yeah, those are all of my stories. That's that's all. That's all I've got for Brittany. Yeah, I my about my last thing is just I think we respect Brittany. We think she's an icon. We love her to pieces. I think when I was talking to Margo about like doing all this research, I was like, oh my god, she lived the life of like you think of all these rock stars from our parents' generation. Like every behind the music episode you ever saw, Steely Dan. Oh my, yeah, those guys. <laughs> Woo! So oh. much cocaine. Oh, my God. And 200 takes of every single fucking song they ever recorded. But I stand for Steely Dan. I own every one of their albums up to Gaucho because I am your dad, really. I mean, how excited <laughs> are you that Paul Simon is headlining uh, as I land? The dad in me is rejoicing. Well, um, I was like, you just saw him at the I know. Greek last year. I know. So, uh, yeah, our friend Eileen, um, Eileen and I saw him. As part of our old geezer tour, Eileen and I like to go see all these aging rock stars before they kick the bucket or before they quote unquote retire. Right. <laughs> but but back to Brittany though. I mean, the reason for us, she lived the life of these behind the music subjects in the span of a decade. She has gone through everything. She's been to hell and back and she is still here. She's still a loving mother. She's still a great performer. And I just, you know what? Like, good for her she is doing really well and i i i really have much respect for her oh fuck i meant to do this research and it's just dawning on me now but i wanted to talk about her perfume empire oh my god she makes millions of dollars a year by not doing anything other than slapping her face on a fucking fragrance and naming it in the zone or like oh god like butterfly is that one of her fragrances yeah let me hold on okay i'm I'm pulling it up right now She's had 24 perfumes. 24 perfumes. So, wide range of commercial deals. Beauty care products, perfumes. She has... I'm trying to see how much she's made. Um, Oh, she had a $7 to $8 million deal with Pepsi at one point. Oh, right. Her endorsements and her projects and, like, millions of dollars. Oh, Spears sold over 1 million bottles in the first five years of her perfume stuff with Elizabeth Arden with gross receipts of 1.5 billion okay so it's a billion dollar oh my venue God. for her yeah can you run through a couple of the names really quick before we sign off because i remember feeling like they're hilarious okay. and just i mean i love perfume commercials like the sauvage commercial with johnny depp where he buries his silver jewelry in the desert so that steven tyler can't get it lana del rey and jared leto recently oh, <laughs> oh i mean i Ugh. love perfume commercials because you always oh, watch and you're like what is this for you're like oh perfume perfume Ugh. So, Curious was the first one. Okay. Um, broke Elizabeth Arden's first week gross in perfume. Um, okay. Fantasy. Okay. Radiance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cosmic Radiance. Oh, my God. 
All right. Um, and then I'm trying to find some of the other ones, and I cannot at this point, but um, some really... Sunset Fantasy. <laughs> That's the name of someone's yacht. Oh, my God. <laughs> These just get... I mean, But they're, I knew they're it was amazing. in the billions. Yeah, uh, like, I can't believe she's made billions of dollars. Do you the, the, the commercial? Do you dare? Do you dare? <laughs> I didn't know we were doing ASMR. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the feathers <laughs> next time. <laughs> Makeup the perfume. Makeup brushes. Oh my lord. All right. Are there any other parting thoughts that we want to impart on our dear audience about Britney Spears before we do plugs and sign off? Just cheers. I mean, good for Britney. Yeah. Ooh, I think in the show notes we'll add, um, there's a really great noisy article about Britney Spears. Yes. That we should link to. Um, Yes. A lot of our research sort of stemmed out of this yeah. article yeah. and wanting to just talk about her and celebrate 20 years of Hit Me Baby. God, so old. Whew. Yeah. All right. Well, you can follow us on Instagram at Old Millennials Pod. Yes. We just put our post, po- post up recently. Oh, yes. Please peep that Rolling Stone alternate cover, Realness of the Hills. Woo! Um, and you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Margs, she wrote. And I am at Emily A. Beijing. And until next time, bye. Bye.